Welcome to episode 29 of the SVOPA podcast. Here are your hosts, Michael and Joe. Hi everyone, it's Joe. Welcome to episode 29 of the SVOPA podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, it's podcast at svopa.co.uk. And with me as always is Michael. Hi Michael. Hi Joe. Hi everyone else. Uh, it's been a, a quite a busy month with the last podcast just out last week. Yeah, have you recovered after the reunion? Just about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was an absolutely cracking event and um, we'll hopefully have a few people, we say hopefully because we're recording this before we've actually done it, haven't we? We are, yeah. <laughs> but we are hoping to get someone on to talk about it because, you know, you put, well, I didn't go, unfortunately. I'm really sad about that, but there's always next year. But, you know, you must be sick of me and Michael rattling on about everything. So <laughs> Yeah, and I'm biased because obviously I helped organise it well, along with the committee. So as far as we're concerned, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah i'm sure most people agree we've had some good feedback as well so don't be shy you know even if you've got something that you think could be done better you know we're quite happy to take that on board and try and make things even more perfect for next year aren't we we are and the one thing i always say if you don't tell us it's broke how the heck can we fix it absolutely yeah so we've got a really good podcast for this month so uh, what have we got michael we've got um george ferguson i presume quite a lot of you'll remember george and michael ferguson from the sort of the 70s and the early 80s yeah um so george is working for british blind sports so he's really interesting because he's a very very sporty guy so he's going to tell us all about that uh, we've also got joe senior we have and he was at the school from the late 50s onwards and he's got some fascinating stories to tell of his time at school as well. And we've also got the usual events for you. We have, and the Blackpool meetup is actually only on the 21st, and obviously some people are staying over for the weekend. There's about nine people staying for the weekend. So if you're local to Blackpool and you you want to join us in the evening at our hotel as well, by all means you can do, but we'll give you more details later on. Yeah, so what started off as just a local afternoon meet-up, well, afternoon into the evening when the last person leaves, has turned into a weekend event as well, which is really nice. It has. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And like I said, there's nine of us staying now for for the whole weekend. And we just hope, you know, there'll be a nice number come along for the afternoon as well. And we're going to do our around the school as well, aren't we, just to sort of finish things off this time? We are. We're going to be doing the DS room, well, the newest, well, the new DS room when we were at school in the 80s. It was uh, just opened in the mid-80s, I think it was. Um, the library when it was upstairs and three classrooms on Kingswing. And on, on that one, um, Joe Senior and um, our usual contributor on around the school is Danielle. She'll be with us as well. So um, we look forward to seeing what things have changed from what the 50s all the way up to 2010. Yeah, I think it's going to prove to be a good around school this time. Not that they're not always good, but this one with the good age range, it always helps to get some really good memories. It is, and I think as well, Joe's got some um, sort of recaps we're going to start with us on there from the last one of like what some of the dormitories were and the names and things like that, which we just couldn't remember all of them from the past, could we? No, and he remembers some of the parts of the school being built, so that's going to be really fascinating. It is. So, shall we um, move on? Yep, I think we should. So who are we going to start with? I'll let you choose. Okay, so I think we'll start with Joe Senior. Okay. Right, well, I'd like to introduce you to Joe Senior, 
who um, it's quite a while since Joe left. So, um, hi, Joe, you okay? I'm fine, thanks, Michael. And you, yeah? I'm pretty good. Uh, well done, yeah. And um, we've talking, been talking over the weekend, and um, but it's good to get you know share some of your memories and things. So when did you attend St. Vincent's? Right. Okay. Well, I, I actually lost my sight when I was six, six and a bit. Uh, in 1958, 59, and funny enough, a guy that you all know, Jimmy Moran, uh, ex of Bradford Field and St. Vincent's, etc., uh, was in the next bed to me in, in Holdray uh, Hospital. He was about six, seven years older than me, though, and uh, he was the first blind person I'd, I'd, I met after losing my sight. And then, lo and behold, a few months after when I got out of hospital, I went to St. Vincent's in 19, October 1959. Uh, and then I attended St. Vincent's, and it was a hell of a lot different then than it is today, I'll, I'll tell you. In fact, we'd, I'll tell you a lot more about that. But then, in 1964, I... Uh, Followed Kevin Carey and Chris Sherlock and Vincent Sherlock and Monica O'Yarzen and Hilary Leacock out to the local grammar school where I was there for up until 1970. And then I had decided that I wanted a career in, in, well, in data processing, as it was called then, i.e. computers, yeah. This new, all these new things have come out called computers and they were looking for programmers and uh, Star Trek was on and all that sort of jazz and wow, I wanted to get into that. And so RNC were running a course in conjunction with Wolverhampton um, for programming. They called their course Statistics, Axiomatics and Logic. In fact, it was a load of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it was a load of garbage. But then I, I went there uh, and after it... Uh, a year or so of that, I, I realised it was a absolute load of poo, yeah, and uh, and I I walked out, yeah, uh, but have, having walked out, I, I took my future wife with me, who was Pearl, <laughs> and we've been together ever since. Um, it's forty odd years now that you know, it's incredible. Um, wow. Well done. Uh, but, but then then I. Uh, uh, in that forty odd years, okay, we've had two 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 kids. Uh, Paul is our oldest, and Helen uh, was uh, she was born seven years after Paul, but she died of cot death at the age of six months, and that was an incredibly sad time for us. But we got over it. Um, and as I say, uh, I I got a job as a trainee computer programmer at Greater Manchester Transport and worked for them for just on three years. And I was telling Mike I used to travel from Skelmersdale to Ardwick Green in Manchester every day, leaving the house about quarter to six, getting the bus from Skem, Skelmersdale into Wigan, then a train from Wigan to Manchester, Victoria, and then a bus from Manchester, Victoria, down to Ardwick Green. I worked till 20 to five, and if I was unlucky, I'd finish up on Victoria train station platform in the buffet from about 10 to 6 till 
getting on for nine o'clock and then getting the train back from Victoria to Wigan and then waiting till quarter to ten to get the bus from Wigan to Skelmersdale, getting in the house at about 20 to 11, quick tea, quick into bed, back up again at five o'clock and out to work. So we did that for about three years and I said, you know, can't do this for the game of soldiers. So I applied to Littlewoods. Uh, Manchester Transport were very upset that I was leaving. They said, oh, should we train you? And now, now you're leaving us and all this. Yeah. Uh, and I joined Littlewoods as a programmer and finished there. I, I had to take early retirement through uh, illness and whatever uh, after 20 odd years. And in that time, I, I went from programmer right up to departmental manager uh, and saw the world, did all sorts of stuff represented the UK and Ireland on all sorts of task force in Europe, uh, gave gave lectures in conferences all around the world on my chosen speciality, which was computer performance. Uh, and since I've retired, uh, the word work is like a crucifix to a, to a vampire for me. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I just so laid back now that, that I need Valium to start me up. <laughs> Um, so, so well, yeah, you've, I mean, you've done pretty well then. You've obviously had a good full working career. Um, absolutely. And it's been good because we've been talking quite a lot recently about people's work life and that sort of thing. So anyone listening to this will obviously, you know, who's thinking, especially young people who are visually impaired, thinking, you know, what what is the future? What is there? And I know obviously you left school in the 19, in 1970, um, but even today there are still career paths and which are not the norm for visually impaired people. So that's really good, good inspiration to people. One of the best, uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I got as a very young kid uh, was by a guy who dragged me from being a programmer into starting out on my speciality. He said to me, Joe, he said, stop being on your crusade, right? And the crusade being that blind people, blind people can do this and do that and do the other. Just be yourself. Yeah. Mm. And that's the best advice that I've given. And I'll tell you something else. One of the other things, what I, I, I admire about today's approach is that for once, St. Vincent's and Dr. John Patterson have got a principal who's putting the child first before yeah. the disability. It's so important, I'll tell you. Because... I mean, I, I, everybody talks about blind children, blind this, blind that, instead of turning around and saying children who have got a sight problem, because they're all children. Exactly. Yeah. Children That's first. So true. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a refreshing change to see Dr. John Patterson's approach. It is brilliant. Well, I was going to say, in my, my opinion, the person who started the great revolution in blind welfare and blind education, and if I had my way, I'd make her a saint today. And that is Sister Claire. She was, to, to me, she is the best nun that ever there was in St. Vincent, in my opinion. So, Joe, what we'll do is we'll take it back to school. And um, if you want to tell us a bit of, like what you enjoyed, what you didn't, you know, if you were a good boy or not. And okay. um, so, um, yeah, and you started obviously in October 59, didn't you? Yeah, I started in October 59 in Sister Mary's Infants. And by the way, the infant wing wasn't even built then. Uh, we had a, a, a sort of 
infants dormitory attached to the junior girls uh, up on the main corridor. But around about 1960, I'd say the number of pupils in the school was about 121 then at that time there was no gym there was no uh science the king's wing had just been built but there was nothing at the end there was no craft room or science room uh or anything like that the queen's wing hadn't been built the swimming pool hadn't been built uh quite a lot hadn't been built actually (laughs) (laughs) well as i say but that but it was the school was ruled uh, with a rod of iron by the then uh, headmistress, Sister Aloysius, who was a, an, an Irish lady with strict upbringing. And she had her cohorts. They, they were like camp guards, I'll tell you. <laughs> They're bloody Daleks. They throw around the place. And uh, the junior boys that I went into, there was about 29 in all, 29 junior boys. I mean, that's, what, three quarters of the school today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you all talk about the, the wooden hut at the end of the thing. That was a junior boys' playroom. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, uh, yeah, and every, every Saturday, they used to, you used to have to get lined up, hail, rain, sun or whatever, lined up in twos, and sis, what was her name? Sister Anne. And she was terrible there. She went to the junior... She... she she was a sadist. Himmler would have been proud of her. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, she, 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 you'd line up in twos and off you'd go for a walk around the area. Yeah, Left, right, or in twos like a crocodile, around the streets, get your exercise. All the people are like, oh, look, there's the little blindies out. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, right, I got a bit fed up with this, and this is the type of guy I am, so I got... Me and a couple of mates I said, right, come on, I'll tell you what. We, it's Saturday, right? We want to watch Grandstand on the telly. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll tell her that we're not going, we're on strike, right? If she wants to go for a walk, she can. So we got all the boys. They all said they were going. And he went, come on, boys, get yourselves ready for the walk. And they all chickened out, yeah? Oh. And, there was, and there was me left by myself, right? So she said to me, Joe, seriously, she said, you don't want to go on a walk, do you? I said, no, I said, I said, we're on strike. I said, well, I was, well, I'm the only one left, but I'm still on strike. She said, right. She said, you don't have to go for a walk. So there's me with a big grin on my face. I have got out of it now. But she said, well, we're away. And let's, let's tell you, each boy had three pairs of shoes and a pair of wellies. And this Saturday, everybody had their wellies on because it was sort of lashing it down and puddles and all sorts. They had a pair of walking shoes, a pair of school sandals, and a pair of play sandals. Now, bear in mind, there's 29, me, uh, 28 plus me. She said, right. She said, get in that cloakroom. And all the shoes were in Kate, uh, little pigeonhole thing. She said, right. She said, now, she said, I want you. She said, you are going to clean every pair of shoes. Oh. <laughs> so I had to, and uh, I'd... It took me about three and a half hours to, to, to clean 80-odd 80, 80 pairs of shoes. But I had to do it, yeah? And they, they were all back by then. But guess what? Guess who was in, first in the queue for the walk the next Saturday? You. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But then, as I say, the, the, but then you, the meals 
and for listening to everybody, the meal, uh, they're still the same, as, I suppose. Well, they were the same when you were there. But my God, I tell you what, the pigs of it. The pigs in the farm refused worse. Uh, uh, actually, refused better. The food was absolutely atrocious. I'd tell you what, you wouldn't get fat in St. Vincent's. <laughs> <laughs> and Tuesday, Thursdays, I hated it. Because bacon and dip bread for breakfast. My God almighty. Yeah, it was the spawn of the devil, if ever it was. And I'll tell you what. They come and she's Joe Senior get and I wouldn't eat it. And you know what? For for several months I used to get that brought back to me for me dinner. Oh. And I would not eat it. And another thing that they used to bring him is I since learned it was beef. But we used to call it flat meat. And that was it was and it was cut it used to be covered with full of fat and grizzle. And oh. this nun, and it was bloody awful. Honestly, it was vile. And this nun, she jokes, she, I, well, I wouldn't eat it because it, it made me sick. And anyway, this day, she, and she forced it down my mouth, literally, right? Next thing, I, I went, yeah, all over the table. <laughs> she she, never, she ne never tried it again. <laughs> oh. My God. So you are quite a strong character at school, really, weren't you? I was, I'd tell you what, nobody would get, that very true I was, yeah, yeah. Well, then, you see, that, that was the time, I mean, nobody would, it was, you always got visitors, and after a while, you were made to feel like you were as if a, you were a shower of monkeys in the zoo, you know, with all these visitors coming, I don't know what you, you felt like in, St. Vincent's, but they were always coming round and you were asked to do this and do that. And you say, oh, what do you want me to do? Balance a ball on my nose or, or what? Yeah. True, because if, if you were good at something, it was like, come and sing for these visitors or yeah. come and play for these. But even in our days, it was that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. 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 Uh, now, some people love that, you know, Michael and Joe. Some, I, I know one person, he preened, he loved everything, yeah. And I think you know him as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I, I got into trouble one time, just, just before I went to Cardinal Arnold, actually, and they all brought all the governors and the, 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 the new gym had been built for about two years, yeah? And they wanted us to put a display on for all these visitors and governors of the school and whatever. So I said, oh, you want a display? Right. So I go on the ropes. Right? So I got on those, those ropes and I went up and down those ropes like a bloody chimpanzee. Up, <laughs> up and down, up, upside down, walking along with my feet on the ceiling and everything. And then halfway down, I jumped off, landed on my feet, scratched my bum, and went, Thank you! <laughs> Sister Aloysia got me in her office. What do you think you were doing? I said, Well, he wanted me to show what I could do on the ropes. But one of, one of the other things, I mean, I, I, I was pretty good at sports like that. I'm not now. I'm a lazy soul now. Yeah. But one of, one, one, one of my fortes at school was the trampoline. And it was funny, actually. It, it nearly brought a tear to my eyes. But I hadn't seen Joe Lampton, you know, from 1969 until 1996. And I'd had one of the pupils in for work experience with me and 
Joe had come to to pick him pick him up from outside the JM Centre in town where I worked, and he came down and I see he threw threw his arms around and he says, "Here you are, trampoline Dan." Yeah. <laughs> well, that was funny because every, everybody knew I was good at the trampoline. One one of the one of the talk of the talk uh, talk of the school was the fact that. I, I I'd been in all sort all national press and whatever, and I got this letter, and it was from the owner of a circus, <laughs> and he wanted me to go and do a clown act on the trampoline with a pygmy. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> and, I mean, thank God we're, we're more politically correct today, but it was a black dwarf and me. On the trampoline, on the trampoline. <laughs> Sister Claire was most indignant. She got hold of the letters went, and ripped it into shreds. How dare they! <laughs> so, on the whole, I, you know, would you say you know you enjoyed your time there? Obviously, I know the times you obviously didn't like, but on the whole, you think it was a you did well from some. I, I I didn't enjoy when I was a Saint Vincent's pupil. But when I went out to Cardinal Allen, I enjoyed that more because I was able to be... I felt sorry for the kids that were in Saint, stuck in St. Vincent's, quite honest, because they never got to see the real world. And that's one... I mean, there's many things which I think have gone wrong with uh, the way that people are going into mainstream education. I really do think that they've cocked that up a bit. But I, one of the things that, that I do think is good is that they do introduce you to the real world when you're kids. When you, if, if you're left to be a kid in school and you haven't got a support worker around your neck all the time and whatever, because ki- kids won't come and mix with you if you've got a support worker because they see that support worker as, as a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's wrong. Um, but the pupils at St Vincent's, they were locked away basically behind a bloody wall. For, for, for three quarters of the year. And half of them, when they went home, they had no friends or nothing. They didn't know what to do, so half of them stuck... Most of them were stuck in their rooms or... or and, and it was so sad. When I went out to Cardinal Allen, um, ac- uh, my, educa- my academic education, it could have got anywhere, but my real value of going out to mainstream school was the socialising, was the mixing with my peers and feeling confident and being able to get on. Yeah. And all, I mean, before I, I, I'll just tell you a little story. Um, one of the things, and you've got to be sharp. Um, before I became a, a programmer, I had ideas of shredding the boards, playing the bands and doing all that sort of thing. Being a Liverpool, a second Beatle. Yeah. <laughs> guitars and all that and we had a band right and we'd do the clubs and all that and we'd do all right yeah make a few bob and and thoroughly enjoy that so anyway we sat down and this girl called to me and she said hey she said you can't see can you i said no i can't see at all she said well can i ask you the personal question Uh, i said of course you can yeah what she said how'd you get shaved right so i said with the bloody razor, how do you think? She, she said, no, but she said, how do you know where your face is? 
it's now if that had been me coming into the world for the first time, I wouldn't know what to say. So I thought I've got a right one. Said, "Listen," I said, "Haven't you heard?" I said, "We use braille mirrors." Oh, she said, "I've always wondered." I said, oh, "All right," and she went off satisfied. I, my mates were quite happy. <laughs> but that—that's just an instant where you're able to cope with things. Anything that's thrown at you. And, and no doubt you two have had things that you've known since you've left school or even as kids that were thrown at you, yeah? We have. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But honestly, you know, um, half the kids in St. Vincent back in the 60s, they didn't know what to do. Yeah. They, they, they became institutionalised, and it's sad. But thank God they had somebody like Sister Claire who saw what was happening and started that to, to change that school. Now, uh, I happened to go, I can't even remember why I'm back in 1977. It was just before, just before I joined Littlewoods. And I, I, I honestly can't remember why I went back. But even back in 77, the change in the school from the seven years that I'd left was incredible. It really was. Yeah. And thank God for Sister Claire. But, I mean, there was a, I mean, for, for example, the girls were at the top end of the school and the boys at the bottom. And never the twain should meet. Yeah? Mm. It couldn't, yeah? Uh, it's just one of those things. That, that's what it was. The nuns, they crept around. I was telling Michael, Joe, listen to this. It, it, people might have wondered why there were so many windows in the corridors and all this. And I'm sure that when the architects were designing the various wings and whatever, they made it so that you could see from one wing into another so that the nuns after walking down the corridor could check what was going on. <sighs> and I'm saying that's true. <laughs> but, but like I say, but like I say, you know, I mean, for things that, that I got up to, I mean, would, would, make you, would make the hair curl if they knew. I mean, I was telling Michael, so, uh, I, I actually had a key for the school towards the end of my time there because I joined what was called the YCS, the Young Catholic Students, an outside organisation, and they met in Egbeth, which is about six, seven miles away from the school, yeah, on a Friday <laughs> night. And the meeting used to go on till about 10 o'clock, half past 10. And the school used to lock up at half 10. So they gave me a key. Way hey, right? Say no more. <laughs> so, so I mean, I, I used to roll all roll in about a, a half eleven or whatever. We used to go used to go down to the bow and arrow, the pub, have a few pints. What a cup by by Miss O'Dwyer who was the reception on reception. She was an old Irish woman. She was on reception. We used to bring her a couple of bottles of Guinness back. Yeah, yeah, Miss O'Dwyer. Don't tell anybody we brought them back for you. <laughs> Well, that was beautiful. That was the time. They were they were good times, but the first the first five years in St Vincent's, I hated it. I really did. Yeah. But I, I hope that's given you a sort of little flavour. Uh, it has, because uh, I mean, to be honest, we've not had that many people on so far, really, from your sort of era. So I really appreciate you know the time you've you've, you've spent with us, talking to us, and giving us a bit of an insight. It's been yeah. been eye opening, hasn't it, Joe? 
Yeah, and the honesty as well, because we've I mean, always said it doesn't matter whether you liked the school or not, because this is impartial. This is the old pupils' yeah, association, right. you know. And if you didn't like it, don't be ashamed to say. So it's a, it's nice yeah. to you know to hear I mean, your honesty. I, yeah. Why not email us at podcast at svupa.co.uk. <laughs> Hi, it's Michael again. I just wanted to um, thank everyone who was involved in the reunion. We're not going to do a big reunion articles on this podcast because what we want to do is get a few people who were there to sit around um, one of our roundtable discussions and go through a few things with it. However, I've been sent a really lovely report from Jenny Newman about her thoughts and about how she thought the day went. And she's also added some thank yous as well at the end. And... So, you know, I really appreciate that for what you put in for us, Jenny. That's really good. And also, I just want to say a special thank you to everyone who was involved on the day at the reunion, be that in a little bit behind the scenes or on a major role. I'm not going to go through everyone on the podcast because I know me, I will miss someone out who's really important. So I just want to say from me and from all of the committee, a real great big thank you. Just to let you know as well, your committee for 2014-15 is myself, Michael Allen as chair, Gemma O'Connor as the secretary, Joe Fishwick as member secretary, Debbie Cullen as the treasurer, and our ordinary members, as we call them, who are vital in, in the everyday running as well, um, do such a great job, is Lauren Wigglesworth, Jane Redfern-Gray, Kathy Rose, Danielle Amalia Thomas and Georgie Hamari. So well done to everyone for getting a part on the committee for this year. Uh, we're sorry for anyone who did attempt to get on. Unfortunately, we do only have four officers and five members. But don't forget this next year. And what we do say is we really appreciate all the help anyone can give throughout the year. So even if you're not on the committee, we really look forward to working with you and your help throughout the year as well. Anyway, I'm going to hand over to Jenny. Thanks. Hi, SBOPA. It's Jenny Newman here. I just want to give my uh, thoughts and opinions about the school reunion and perhaps a few thank yous as well. Right. Uh, 11 o'clock, we arrived at school. That's myself, my dad and my sister. And got through the front hall. Um, and then we were greeted by Dr John Patterson, who, for some of you who don't know, uh, he's the new principal of St Vincent's, obviously I... I've never met him, but I have heard of him. Um, I went down to the school hall, assembly hall, and um, it was really weird walking through all them school corridors knowing that the last time I was there uh, was on the last day of term when I left. Yeah, so... Yeah, it was all a bit weird, really. When we got to the school assembly hall, we were met 
by a few people, actually. I met a couple of people. I met Don Hale, Nicole Corley, Mrs. Paula Beach as well from uh, Food Tech. Yeah, it was nice to see them again. Then we sat down, had a drink, I had a fruit shoot. And then after that, we went up to the front hall again, back to the front hall. And then um, I was met by Wendy Smith and again, John Hale came up to us as well. Um, then also Sue and Marie were there as well. Uh, it was nice to see them again. Yeah, so after that we got our wristbands on and signed ourselves in. And then we went to the dining room, sat down, had had a drink. For cold drinks there were orange juice or pineapple juice. And then hot drinks, obviously the tea and coffee selection. Um, then we had our lunch, like lunch, which was soup and sandwiches. It felt like, you know, when you, you, have you ever experienced going into a restaurant? It was a bit like that, you know, in the dining room. I sat there and Sue Marie were handing out drinks and bowls of soup and uh, sandwiches and bread rolls. It really did seem like we were in a restaurant. So anyway, after that, we went to the chapel, recorded an SBOPA podcast. Uh, For those who aren't aware, uh, it's episode 28 of the SBOPA podcast. That's the one we recorded. That's that's the one, in case um, you don't know, um, that's the one that's got the uke box. On it, so yeah, to take a listen. Um, if you got time to take a listen, yeah. And then after that, the ATM. So that was good. And then after that, went back to the dining room. By the way, while we we're having lunch, um, people were selling their raffle tickets. So uh, bought bought one. I've got a couple, actually. Also, by the way, um, forgot to mention, I met up with Holly uh, Mitchell and Joe Robinson. Nice to see them again. Um, yeah, back in the dining room after the ATM. That's what I was talking about. We sat down, had a drink. Na- uh, the raffle was announced. I was... I met up with Mrs Armstrong, and in the dining room during lunch, I met up with Mrs Hoey as well. And that was nice to see them again. And also Sue Clamp said hello, and then Josie Lynch said hello. And after that, we went on a tour of the school uh, with Joe Lampton. I couldn't believe... Let me tell you this now. I couldn't believe some of the history of the school. I couldn't believe what I'm hearing about so much history in the school. How much history there was in the place. Wow. 
That was so amazing. After we um, had our tour, we went back to the dining room for a bit. We went outside after that. And then 7 o'clock we had a buffet. Just, wow. Let me tell you something. I couldn't believe how much there was. I could not eat another bite of it. It was so... It was so good. I mean, I, I could not eat another bite of it. I was so full after that. And then after that, we had a little bit of a disco with Rob Clark. Rob DJ, in case anyone doesn't know. Um, and then we had a quiz, which I think was read out by Gemma O'Connor, who read the questions out for us. So, um... So that was nice, and we had we had a few drinks and that, and then we had a little bit of a dance, everything. So that was good. Um, went home about half past nine. Yeah, and that was our day completed. Um, I would like to thank uh, Michael Allen and Joe Fishwick for organising. The event. I know it must have been hard work organising the event for us because it will take about a few months to sort of finalise plans with the school. <coughs> Excuse me. And then I'd like to say thank you to the committee who obviously helped Sue and Marie for providing the food for us and looking after us and everything. Yeah, I'd just like to say thank you to Ukebox for their hard work in providing all the entertainment for us. Joe Lampton for giving the tour of the school. You know, he explained everything. Most importantly, I'd like to thank Dr John Patterson for, you know, just generally welcoming people, being very welcoming and very pleasant and, you know, teaching us a lot and about what school's been up to now and everything. So, yeah, um, so that, that's me, um, Jenny Newman, and um, I'll speak to you later. Bye. Right, well, I'd like to introduce George Ferguson. Um, some of the people will remember him from school and we'll go on to his career and where people will know him from now as well. So, hi, George. Hi, Michael. Uh, how's, um, how long is it now since you were at school? I left school in 85. What? So, too long, 30 years, probably more. Yeah, 29 yeah, years ago. Yeah. And you were saying before we started recording, you've only really been back a couple of times more on business, never on to sort of have a look and to, to see it properly. That's right, yeah. I've been back professionally with uh, went one time with uh, Everton Football Club to do some uh, community work with, with, with the football uh, and also uh, with Daisy UK to do some uh, interactive stuff with some of, the, some of the youngsters there as well. So never been back uh, for leisure though. So if we take you right back to your school days, George, what are your fondest memories of St. Vincent's, if you've got some? <laughs> yeah. 
I've got, I've got plenty of fond memories and uh, probably some some not so fond, but people may remember me from uh, from school because I had a twin brother called Michael, so I think we were always known as the ter- terrible twosome. Uh, without trying to intend to uh, to be like that, it, it's, it became a, a natural process, I think, where we were always getting into trouble with uh, with teachers and the likes of Joe Lampton and uh, Mr Byron, who was the, who was the uh, geography and arts teacher at the time. Uh, Mr. Manning, uh, but we, you know we we had some really good times in school. We we absolutely loved playing sports, and that that was always our pastime. And you know to think that every break and every uh, lunchtime and after school as well, because we were obviously boarding at the time, was an opportunity to go out and play football, uh, whether it was against the kickboard in in the senior playground or it was on the eleven aside pitch. Uh, we always thought there was an opportunity there just to to kick a ball around and. I think some of the best memories were to do with, you know, possibly the, the staff matches when we used to play against the staff. I mean, what a great opportunity that was to play against your fully sighted peers, and uh, possibly I don't, I don't think we ever won a game, but it was uh, at, that, at that, you know, at that stage, it was fantastic to have that opportunity because we didn't really interact in sport in in, in any other capacity. We, you know, outside of school, we, we we didn't get involved in sport and we didn't uh, have much of an opportunity. And then obviously the swimming galas going down to Worcester. Uh, great fond memories of going down there uh, and also Aston Villa Sports Centre when we used to play in the junior football tournaments and that was always later on in the senior the senior years I think it was uh, some, some really fond memories there because yeah, he only started that probably around your last couple of years the Aston Villa didn't he I think he did yes it was it was British by Sports who, who initiated that and it's still going down and I, I'm actually organising some of those well, those events actually now so it's it's a, it's gone full circle really to actually just to be a participant to actually organising it, and that was very much how we became involved in in, in impairment specific sports outside of school as well. So following leaving school, we we, we were engaged at, in in a club at Manchester. Uh, I don't know if people will remember uh, Sue Turnham. She she worked in the school. I think she did voluntary work. I think it was around guide training, and I think she might have done some typing. I'm not sure. Can't remember now, but she, her husband Tony Turnham, uh, and that, that, that you may, you all may know Roy Turnham now. He was a, a Paralympian footballer uh, playing for the blind team. Well, Tony took us to Manchester to a team called Northern Sport at the time, back in eighty four, eighty five, and that's how we, we we started playing football for them. And then we've been playing ever since. To be honest, uh, Michael's unfortunately not playing at the moment because or since, since the last about the last five years because he's had a back injury. But I've just retired this season. Uh, after 30 years of playing in that league so yeah I mean for people who don't know I actually went on to or we both went on to represent England and Great Britain uh, playing uh, futsal uh, which is five-a-side indoor football Uh, so I had a career spanning 11 years playing for England Uh, went all around the world playing for them and played in world and European championships and played in uh, some fantastic stadiums around the world as well so great opportunity there uh, Michael also went on to he, he finished his football career a little bit earlier than me. And he went on to play England uh, in, in the England cricket team as well. So uh, a double whammy for Mike really because uh, the fact that he, he was forced to stop playing because of his back injury was was hugely disappointing for him. So he's just a leisurely walker and uh, cyclist now. So and I'm just retired, so I'm I'm getting around to that now as well. So wow, so sport is a massive part of your life, really. It's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Always has been, you know, from, from being being able to walk and run and kick a ball to to, to now, really. And uh, it's still difficult now to, to imagine that I'm not going to be playing football again. But 
like my wife keeps telling me now that I'm, I'm sure you, I'm, I'm sure you'll be going back at some point. Uh, so, yeah, there'll be a veterans team for you before too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. go back as a coach or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go back to some capacity, I'm sure. And just think, I mean, you know, if you'd have thought then when Thursday night when we we're playing football in the gym and on the pitch with Chance, that like you'd have been playing for England a few years later. Well, yeah, I mean, just just playing in John Chan's session on a Thursday night was. I mean, we used to look forward to that so much. And when we did get into trouble in school, we used to get, we we used to get uh, suspended from that. And that was like, you know, that was like chopping our legs off. Really, it was like, oh, you know, you can do anything to us, but don't stop us playing football on a Thursday night. And mm. I think that taught us a few lessons. And ironically, my, my sister, who's uh, fully sighted, she went to a mainstream school, mainstream school in Liverpool. And uh, what, on one occasion, there was a someone came in to do a, a, a talk about. Uh, it was one of our teachers, I think it was, and they were talking about the, the fact that he goes on a Thursday night and takes these sessions uh, for these visually impaired youngsters. And he was going on about these two two, two kids who attend one of the, the, the sessions that he runs. And my sister said, "Oh, said, I know them two two kids that you're talking about. They're my brothers." And it's ironic that he was actually talking about us. So, yeah. So I mean, without John, John on a Thursday night, and he only came in and did that voluntary. And the fact that outsiders from the school were coming in to do that was was absolutely fantastic. And I know. The schools slightly slightly changed its ethos now, and it's, it's predominantly more, uh, you know, there's less VIs, should I say, and there's more complex needs within the school. And I know they're all still visually impaired, but there's more complex needs children now. So I don't know whether those opportunities still exist or could exist anymore. And we've tried to engage the school in in, in certain events through BBS, but they only tend to to attend the actual swimming garden now and not, not the actual football. So mm-hmm. I know they still do athletics. Uh, recently there was a thing on the website, so they, they are involved in the local athletics in Liverpool, uh, which is done every year. I know they've had a, a competition team for climbing as well, I think, which they've got. So there's, yeah. I'm trying to think. There are others as well, I'm thinking. Don't they do some martial arts as well? It's... I think they might do a little bit, but I'm not. Don't think it's the main part of it. But I know John's done a little bit with them. Okay. But yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Saturday mornings they actually do. They have been doing martial arts. Yes, or it's a plan to do them. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, that's 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 good. You know, some good insight for me mm-hmm. to be able to go in and uh, engage in that because, and I, I know they were doing some of the climbing and, the, and they were doing some of the botcher, but I didn't realise they were doing doing the, doing that much. Because mm-hmm. uh, I know the botcher. I think is every week. Yesterday when I was in, no Saturday when I was in. They were they had the botcher on in, down in the gym. Yeah, well that's that's really good because you know it's it's good to know that these VI schools are st- are still doing things for the children, getting them engaged in sport and recreational activities in school and outside of that as well. Because you know it's it's a great learning curve to give these kids the opportunity to say, well, you can do what you want to do. You know, you can achieve, and whether you just want to participate or you know they have aspirations to go on and achieve. You know, the Paralympic status. It doesn't matter. It's all about just giving them the opportunity and letting them realise that they can, they they can do just as you know anything they want to do. Really, so that's that's fantastic. So, what is it you're doing now? I'm a sports development advisor for uh, British Blind Sport. Uh, they're based in Leamington Spa, and predominantly a small charity. Uh, but what the, the, their their role really is is to be the leading voice for visually impaired people throughout the UK, really, and provide opportunities. And also enable uh, visually impaired people, both blind and partially sighted, to, to participate in sport. We work very closely with uh, national governing bodies of sports. We work with county sports partnerships and sport development teams. Uh, and the aim is really to make sure that whatever sporting opportunities there are out there, whether they're mainstream or whether they're impairment specific, is 
just to make sure that they're all inclusive for visually impaired people. Uh, and, and that's sometimes quite challenging. It's, it's about educating uh, the coaches and the teachers and the providers of, of, of sports sessions to say, well, you know, there are methods and there are ways of actually including people who are partially sighted and blind in your sessions without, uh, you know, um, the, the sessions being, you know, less challenging for the other individuals that might be attending. It, it's all about challenging people within their sessions, no matter what the impairments, because at the end of the day, they're still delivering the same sport. It's just sometimes you have to make slight adaptations, uh, but if, effectively you're still, you know, you're still a coach and you're still, you're still coaching and delivering the sport, you know, what, what you're aiming to do. And it's, it's just, it's all about understanding and it's all about just recognising the fact that people with a disability still want to participate the same as anybody else. And we're, we're all about just trying to enable those people to have that opportunity. So if people wanted to get involved with a specific sport, could they contact you and ask for, you know, get advice over that and where to go to find it and if it is available? Very much so. I mean, even if we don't work that closely with, with a sport, we will uh, source opportunities local to where people live. We'll find out where, you know, what, what opportunities there are there. There might not always be the opportunities as local as people would like, but hopefully we would research it and, and source, source the information that th those people require. And, you know, we, we all know that we, we, at BBS, we, we tend to host more national events and national leagues and national programmes because there just aren't the numbers of VIs out there to be able to, to, to you know, provide opportunities at local level. But sometimes there are enough teams at local level and there's enough opportunities at local level, whether that's pan-disability or whether that's impairment-specific or whether it's mainstream and it's, and, it's, and it's inclusion as well. Hopefully we will provide that opportunity for people to, to engage in sport. And so, is that age-specific or is it any age? You know, Can parents contact you for children or is it just for adults? Yeah, we, we, we cover the full spectrum really from any age uh, to, to any ability. So if, if it's all about just wanting to participate at local level, want, wanting to join a gym, wanting to get fit in, in, a, in a, you know, a running session, wanting to join a club, wanting to you know, get involved in impairment-specific opportunities where there's just blind and party sighted people playing depending on what their impairment is, it, it's all about us just being able to identify where, where, the, where those opportunities exist. And all, all people would need to do is just either drop, drop us a line or drop us an email and, and, and we'll work on their behalf then and try and get them involved at local level. Um, what do you see, obviously, now for the, for your future and what's your plans for you know, the upcoming years? Personally, I mean, I'm st still wanting to challenge myself. I'm, I'm in a fantastic role, professional role at the moment. But personally, um, I've got two children, <laughs> quite old now. One's 17, she's still living at home, uh, Georgia. But I've also got a son who's, who's Kyle and he's 24 now. So he's getting married next year. So it's going to be great to be able to see him get married next year and celebrate that. Um, personally, um, my wife fully, has fully supported in me, me and my career so far within, uh, you know, playing sport and playing for England and everything else. And to, to be able to do that while you've got young kids and, you know, to, to have that opportunity and, and not negate that by having the, the support of, of your partner is, is fundamental, really, to being able to, mm. to achieve, you know, your aspirations in life, really. So it, it'd be great if I can get involved in more coaching opportunities, whether that I'm, I'm allowed to do that due to work is, is quite difficult at the moment because I am quite stretched and, I wouldn't say it was a massively stressful job, but it does get stressful at times, and I do a lot of travelling around the country. 
so just having capacity. I do like to cycle quite a bit if I get the opportunity. Uh, do a little bit of jogging and stuff like that. So personally, you know, we, we, we've just moved into a house last May. Uh, bought a house in Rain Hill, so we, we love where we live. So we just want to do a little bit of traveling maybe and just uh, explore the world a little bit more. Now the kids are getting older and we can do that on our own. So, yeah, uh, no, no massive aspirations since outside of sport, really. Just more just relaxing. In my latter years, now I'm, I'm 44 years of age, so it's just taking it more easy, but trying to stay fit and just try, trying to enjoy life as much as possible, really. That's brilliant. So thanks for that, George. It's a real insight into what, you know, you are just sport personified, really, aren't yeah. you? You and your brother, Michael. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who remember you both from school will will probably remember you you being sporty. I, yeah. my kind of memory of you was, um, I think, running around the football pitch after prep at night, and we used to play things like tig and things like that on the football pitch. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, we we really did enjoy school. We, you know, the memories are good. The, the the memories of the people that we went to school with are really good as well. It'd be great to. We've never really gone back and gone to any reunions. I think we went to one possibly about 15 years ago or something like that, uh, if my memory serves me right. And we never really went back after that. So it'd be great to get back involved and, and, and see people and see, see how they're living their lives and how they're getting on. We do stay in touch with some people like Lee Johnson and Sean Nickius uh, and a couple of others but through Facebook, but that's not the same really. It'd be great to, to get to meet them. And Dave Finnegan is another one who's a, who was another... Great guys, you know, fond memories of being in school with those guys as well, and, and the Cilios, Paul and Chris Cilio as well. So, some of the people we, we we've we've kept in touch with through sport, and you know, other the other people that we would be keen to possibly meet up with again. Uh, it'd be great to have an opportunity to do that. So, hopefully, we'll 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 make sure that we come down next year and come to the, the main school reunion. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. There's names there that I've not heard for a long time, so that would be great. Yeah, there's, there's a few more names as well. I think the likes of Alicia Hassel and Janet Mums and, oh, God. Uh, God, there's too many to, to remember now. Martin, Martin, oh, I can't remember his second name. I love the one in Ellesmere Port. There's just a hand, there's, I mean, there was about 100 and odd kids when we went to school, 140 odd kids. I think there's, not, there's certainly not that many now, but, I mean, to trying to remember all them and then trying to remember who, who was older, Zonks, Andrew Calavazidis and all those type of people, Sarah Gallagher, uh, Donna Healy, all, all those type of people, Una Healy, uh, Mark Ingham, Bruce, I can't remember, Bruce's second name, and Mike, the, the guys who were about three or four old years older. And the thing was as well, I mean, we, we, we tended to know a lot of the older ones and remember a lot of them because we, we played football with them because even though they were all four or five years older than we were allowed to play with them. So mm. that was a great privilege as well. So we, we must have been half decent to be able to participate with them at that level. So, yeah, some great memories. And now, here are some events. Why not come and join us at one or two? Or all of them. Right, well, it's time to move on to our events, what are upcoming. So we've dead quick, we've got Blackpool coming up on the 21st of June. Yep, that's at the Liberties on the Square 
hotel um there may still be availability to stay but you need to contact michael for more information on that one um have you got a venue for the actual afternoon michael or are you still looking for somewhere at the moment we're probably going to use the hotel so do get in touch and keep an eye on facebook but we'll make sure you know people know if we know you're coming we'll make sure you know if we have changed the venue because we're hoping to get a, a cheaper pub or something but we're going to check the hotel a bit more yeah, but you don't have to stay over. There's about nine staying for making a weekend of it. But the idea of it originally was to do one of the usual afternoon into the evening events. So, you know, feel free to come along and just take part in the afternoon or, you know, afternoon and evening. That's absolutely fine. It is. And it's going to be a good day. You're looking forward to it, aren't you, Danielle? Yeah, yeah. Really looking forward to it. It'll be good because there's quite a few people you don't know who are coming as well. So it'll be nice to you to get yeah, to meet some nice of the meet new uh, people. Yeah, and we know there's quite a few coming on the Saturday, so you know, come along. It's not far from Blackpool North Station. I know most trains come into Blackpool North from Manchester and Liverpool and everything, so nice and easy. But yeah, give me a quick shout, podcast at svopa.co.uk, or on Facebook, or give me a call 07930444656 if you want more information on that, because things may change between now and then, so we obviously want to make sure you've got the latest details. Can everyone please keep their fingers crossed we get nice weather? <laughs> Pretty please. Right, I'm sorry to butt in to the information about the upcoming events. However, since recording this, we have made a decision on what we're doing for our meetup in Blackpool. So we managed to eventually get a room available for us because most places in Blackpool would not book for the Saturday. So we've managed to find a Weatherspoons. It's called the Leighton Rakes. It's at 17 to 25 Market Street in Blackpool. What we are going to be doing though is meeting people from half 11 till 11.45 at Blackpool North Station and then we can walk over. It takes about 10 minutes from the station. And um, so we really hope to see you there and we'll go back to the rest of the events. <laughs> okay, so so moving on now, in August we've got something completely different and I really would encourage any of you to take part in this. Um, having been on a singing weekend myself, which took me completely out of my comfort zone, um, give it a go. If it's something you've never considered, give it a go. So I'm going to hand over to Danielle to tell you all about the singing workshop. Okay, so um, we are organising a singing workshop on the 16th of August, which is a Saturday. Um, which is going to be held at Bradbury Fields in Liverpool. We're running it um, kind of in, in conjunction with them. Um, I'm going to be um, leading a workshop during the day um, and then we're going to be holding an event in the evening where we're going to be putting on a bit of a concert um, for anyone that wants to come and, come and see that. Um, we're still waiting for some final details from Bradbury Fields at the moment. Um, but basically the, the kind of rough-ish plan for the day is that we will kind of, everyone will hopefully arrive kind of late morning. Um, we'll do a bit of an introduction, have a slightly sort of physical warm-up and a, a really thorough vocal warm-up, do some different exercises and maybe a few games and bits. Um, and then we will work on one, possibly two um, songs uh, with the possibility of performing them in the evening as part of the concert. So keep watching on Facebook and Twitter um, and listening to the podcast for some more information that we will hopefully be getting soon. Um, also, as part of 
the day. Hopefully, um, kind of depends a little bit on time at the moment, but fingers crossed, um, I'm going to be holding some two, possibly three, um, 10 to 15 minute slots where anybody that wants to come and have a one-to-one session with me, possibly people who maybe have a little bit of singing kind of experience um, that are looking to perform a particular song for whatever reason or just one that you particularly like singing and you'd like a bit of feedback on it and maybe ways that you could slightly improve your performance. Um, I'm going to be kind of running little little one-to-one sessions. So if anyone's interested um, in that, then get in touch with was either on the group or on Facebook, or you can search for me on Facebook, Danielle Amalia Thomas, and um, send me a message. I think that's everything for the time being. I think it's it's looking good. It's all starting to fall together. Uh, yeah. I think there'll be room for about up to forty people in total, which will be shared amongst um, SVOPA, VI Talk, and Bradbury Fields, and we'll let you know more about booking nearer the time. But if you're interested. And you want to get your name on the shortlist, give us a shout now. And once tickets come available, we've got pricing, etc., we'll let you know. Yeah, and don't be afraid. If you're not a singer, you don't have to be a fantastic singer, do you, Danielle? No, you can just do it for all. the love of it, can't you? The idea, the idea of the day is just to give everyone a bit of a taster, have some fun, possibly meet some new people. For those you know who are maybe a little bit more serious, great, come along, make the most of the day, and you know, hopefully learn something and... Yeah, just make the most of it. Embrace it. Leave your kind of inhibitions at the door and just go with go with what happens. And to finish the day, as we said, there's going to be a, a proper evening event at Bradbury Fields. So you know, if you just want to come and, and hear what people have done throughout the day. Also, Danielle is actually going to do a couple of um, slots on there. And, yeah. and, you know, so come along. And it's going to be a nice night. The bar will be open just chance to meet up. So really, it's a bit of an SVLPA meet-up in the evening, along with lots of other people from the Liverpool area. So you know, we'd like you to join us. So again, tickets for the evening, we'll let you know. Definitely by the next podcast, but it should be on Facebook and uh, all the other things as well. Brilliant. And finally, we have our Western Supermare um, weekend, which is running from the 14th of November to Monday the 17th, and that's at the Lauriston Hotel, which is one of the Vision Hotels. So, well equipped for guide dogs and anybody visually impaired. It's quite a flat area, Western Supermare, for nobody for anyone who hasn't been before um nice beaches but then in november you probably won't be too bothered about that (laughs) (laughs) that's true we've had quite a few weekends there before in the past so again it's a it is it's just such a nice area really and um i'm looking forward to going back again because it's what two years since well three years since we were last there and uh, great prices they've offered us 45 pound per night dinner bed and breakfast and at the moment they are still offering the 10 percent rnib member discount as well so it works out at just £40.50, and p, which I think is pretty good going, really. It is. And just a heads up that at the moment, the RNIB are offering a nine-month free membership taster. So uh, you could uh, join the RNIB for free and still get your 10% off at the Lauriston. <laughs> Do you remember the number to join the RNIB, the phone number? Yes, it is. Well, the RNIB helpline, and they will help you out, is 0303 123 9999. And I should know that as a Northwest rep for the RNIB, but I can never remember it. <laughs> well, you can give them the number for the Lauriston instead. <laughs> I will. So if you want to book, call the Lauriston direct on 01934 620 758. 
if you quote SVOPA. There's already quite a few books, so um, you know you won't be alone, so don't worry about that. And I'm coming down, Karen's coming down this time as well. And uh, we really look forward to having a great weekend. And they've got bowling local, so we can have another challenge and see who's the best team, either the men versus the ladies or whatever we do. And it's just nice. It's a, it's a just a, a bit like Landudno last year. There's a nice seafront and stuff. You can just go for a nice walk. And so I'm looking forward to going down again. Yeah. So uh, hopefully lots of you will join us. As Michael said, we've got quite a few. And it is a very kind of flat seafront Um yeah, I know Timothy's hilly, but for those of you that came down for the Timoth break, I know a lot of people visit here. The, it's a bit like the promenade is, is as flat as Timoth, so it's a nice walk. And there's a great sea life centre for anybody who's into that kind of thing as well. And we've not actually got any other standard meetups planned. The, keep an eye out for things because we might do one in July, or we might just because it's only two months between them. And we'll probably do something around September, October as well. So if there's something you're looking for, and we are looking at getting a, a a meet up in york quite soon so um you know keep an eye out for things and if there's something you fancy give us a shout at podcast at svopa.co.uk and now for our new section around the school in 10 lessons Okay, so welcome to episode eight of Around the School in 10 Lessons. Sit down, get your books out, and we're ready to begin. We have Michael with us, of course, and we have Joe Senior, who stayed with us, and we have the lovely Danielle with us as well. Hi, everyone. Well, what we're going to do, we're just going to start with Joe. We're going to have a bit of a recap from lesson seven, because um, Joe was upstairs in sort of what we know as the juniors and the senior boys. So, because you were telling me the other day about some of the names which the groups were. So can you remember there's the group which is directly above the assembly hall? What was that when you were there, Joe? Right, that was what they called the top juniors. And where the foot baths are, uh, you mentioned the foot baths and the sinks and whatever. That was the top juniors bathing area, if you like, wash basins and foot Those foot baths were put in in 1965. And I th- there was two baths, um, and then there was the dormitory, mm-hmm. and there was one, two, three sections to that. And then you went through it, and then you turned right at the end, and there was a door going out onto the corridor. Now, that was called the Sacred Heart Dormitory. Okay. And then uh, if you went further on, there was a nun's room, and then what used to be a dormitory at one time, but then when I was there wasn't used it, it used to be a playroom uh and then that wasn't used yeah okay yeah and then if you come back if you went went through the double fire doors uh which all those fire doors incidentally in, in the school they were only put up about 1964 because before then they were open corridors oh, yeah right. yeah oh, they, uh, absolutely and uh, when they were first put up they were actually uh held back on, on, on hooks so the doors were there but kept open but then in about 1967 the fire officer came and uh, insisted that they always were to be kept closed but anyway so I digress but okay so you went through the double fire doors walking down towards the chapel 
And then on, on the left, the, the first door you came to, that was a dormitory for uh, the older of the junior boys, if you like, and that was called St. Joseph's Dormitory. And then you had a nun's room, and then you had St. Mary's Dormitory, which was for the younger junior boys, the seven to eight, nines, maybe. And in each of those dormitories, there were little, like, uh, oh, I, I can explain them, little, like, cubicles, sort of temporary rooms made for members of staff. And each one of those little rooms had a, a carer in, uh, who tended to be about 18, 19, 20 at the time. I mean, to seven, eight-year-olds, they were all women. Right? Um, but then across, on, on, on the right-hand side, there was the bathroom for the juniors. Yeah, uh, and that had about four baths and numbers of sinks and whatever. Then he went through the door, and that, and when I first went, that was a playroom for the senior boys. And then you went through that, uh, and then on you came on the right hand side. There was the dormitory called St Martin's, I think, and that was for the older seniors. Right. So that now we're actually moving on to the, the subject. The subject yeah. for this lesson, so yeah. um, that most people now would know that as the library. So I'll let you tell us a little bit about that because we're going to go on, obviously onto it later what it is now. So that just yeah. that dormitory, um, what was that like when you were there? When I was there, there was uh, that was for the older senior boys. There was about fourteen beds in that. Right, and did it have any partitions in it or anything? No, so no. it was just all open plan. It was just open plan. Yeah. And then you walk down and you got to the door on the right opposite the main door. You walk through the door, but you came to a door. You open that and you're in like a, a corridor. Mm-hmm. On the left-hand side, there was the bathrooms and foot baths and wash-hand basins and a couple of toilets. On the right-hand side, there was two rooms for nuns. Once again, you see, they were, they were, they were scattered amongst the troops. You know, <laughs> keep, eyes on, keep their eyes on us, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you went down the down the corridor, and then you opened the door, and that was a dormitory, and that was for what they called the lower seniors, for for about the thirteen, fourteen year olds. So you had that dormitory, thirteen, fourteen year olds. The main, the, the big do, upper seniors dormitory for fifteen, sixteen year olds. Right. Uh, wow. Do you do you remember? Was that always that like that when you when you left? Or had no, it become the library in those days when you left? No, no, it was that when I left. In fact, when I, I went back, I said I, I, I took took a couple of colleagues with me. I remember I'm from Littlewoods, and I said, "Hey, I said, well, I said, do you know where you're standing now? This is where my bed used to be." <laughs> and it, was it the library then? It was the library then. Right. What we'll do is obviously it became the main. What was the uh, higher seniors became the library? Yeah, uh, I mean, I always remember that as the library. And, and that changed, you know, less books and more, a bit more technology later on. And I'm going to come on to Danielle a little bit on the library in a few moments because some of the rooms changed up. Because obviously the library is the library. There's not much you can really say about it, is there? No, not really. <laughs> so, it did alter slightly when I was there, though. In fact, when as, you were there, Danielle... the library, but it altered. No, go on. <laughs> um, well, when I, when I was in kind of lower sort of primary um, I mean we had kind of our own sort of books and things in the primary department so we didn't really have much to do with the main library um, but I know that in 
I'm trying to remember what year it was, and it must have been around about 98, 99, somewhere-ish. Um, it was kind of refurbished. Um, and I can see it in front of my sort of mind's eye on the on the wall, just to the left of the door, there's a plaque um, that actually says kind of when it was refurbished and who funded it and what have you, but I can't for the life of me think who it was. Um, but anyway, it was kind of given a given a lick of paint. I think there was some new flooring put down. Um, there were some new tables and chairs put in. There were some uh, bright red bean bags on the floor, which were quite nice to go and have a little sleep on when nobody was supposed to know. <laughs> <laughs> it was revising, honestly. Um, and I think um, there was a lot of new shelving kind of got put into sort of books and things as well. Um, but yeah, I know that um, kind of when you went into the library, in right down the centre of the room, it was like a lino kind of path that you could follow. Um, and then when you got to the other end, it split and you could either carry on going straight through the door to what you guys knew as kind of the DS room or you could go to the left and go up a just a little slope, um, and it took you in, into a, a sort of room that was, um, I think it had been a been a separate room at one point, but it was now kind of joined onto the library, and there was um, loads of new computers got got put in there. Right. So um, I'm going to ask you that question actually. Do you remember yeah. that wall being knocked down, or was that always there when you were there, Danielle? No, uh, well, as far as I can remember, it was it was always open. But I know before that, I think I'm right in saying that it was Steve Irvine's um, IT room. And then when, oh gosh, what was her name? Um, I knew her as Miss Peacock. I don't know what her first name was. Um, but when she left, he then kind of moved, and that room all got opened out and kind of joined in as as part of the library. Right, I'm going to see what you remember, Joe, because you, I remember it more from the juniors and, and stuff. But you, we go through that double door, or the single mm-hmm. door, obviously opposite the, the main door into the library. Yeah. And on the left was what I remember as a TV room. Do you remember I, that at all? I know. I can't remember whether it was left or right, but there definitely was a TV room because I can yeah. remember us having to troop up there to go and watch... Um, videos in those days <laughs> about whatever they wanted us to watch and there were th- those sort of they were like well they weren't leather i dare say but like leatherette kind of chairs no arms on them but they'd be like rows of them yeah they, yeah and you'd, you'd sit on them to watch tv and really once we got that big you know the big tv we got in the hall the big projection one I don't know if you remember we, we started remember that. using that a bit more it was on the stage for a while and it used to be in the junior girls, you know what is a conference room now for a while? Oh, I think that might have been after my time, was it? It was it was it was definitely when you were there, but Oh was it? Right. I just not come across it. No. Yeah, I can remember that. And then opposite where we mentioned where the toilets and there was like bathrooms and things there. Mm. I do remember some of the probably some of the girls and this sounds sexist, but it's I just remember it. Doing a couple of oh, childcare type lessons in there at one there point. There was, but I didn't do it. There were only a very few girls did it. Um, it wasn't done as a main lesson because I know the majority of us didn't do it. Mm. I didn't remember many doing it, but I just remember. No, it was so, Sister Marie Claire who taught it as well. I do remember that. What you're talking about, Michael, uh, as the TV room, I think they were the, the nuns' rooms. Mm. 
uh, opposite the bathrooms. And that would have been, there was no windows or anything in there, were there? Correct. No, because it always, when you walked up that little corridor, it always struck you really kind of gloomy and it yeah. just wasn't, yeah, it, I hated yeah, going up that corridor. Door was open. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've seen, that room now, Joe, just yeah. um, is now actually part of the library. That's oh, right. Down. And that's where the computers were. Um, oh, and now the library itself is no longer there. It's been moved down to the, the door opposite the King's Wing. You know, you go up King's Wing, that is now the library. Um, did that move before you left or after you left, Danielle? It was just after. I think it was literally like maybe a year after, maybe yeah. not even that. I think it, it was probably the year after. after you left, yeah. Yeah. So what we'll do, we'll go into the, the DS room, because I think that's pretty much in that middle room, and I know we've covered that as a dormitory. Um, were you allowed to use the staircase in that room? Sorry? Were you allowed to use the staircase? In which room? In, in, in what's the DS in, room? Yeah, we yeah. were. Yes, oh, yeah, we were, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Because yeah. that was locked, that was completely out of bounds. All ah, right. Yeah, did you, there's no oh, issue for that. No, we well, we could because when we used to have DS, you used to wait at the bottom of the stairs and then you used to go I, up. I actually screwed the the, uh, the 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 glass off the fire thing, yeah, uh, <laughs> where there was a key. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I I got a key made, yeah, and put the original one back. <laughs> <laughs> did you do DS in that room, Danielle? Because I know we and Joe did. Um. um yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking because you know it's just kind of going back slightly, but the corridor sort of between the library and and the DS room on the right hand side, I remember there being a door on that side, um, and when you went through it, there was sort of immediately to your right there was a door that was, um, it took you into a tiny office, and I mean tiny, it was really really small. Um, and then in front of you, there was a door into the, a bathroom, which, again, was quite small, actually. And then on the left, there was another door, which actually took you into a really small dining room, which was connected to the DS room. Yeah. Yes. Where was. we always did theory. So when you, when you went through the sort of main DS door, if you like, at the end of the corridor, if you then turned immediately to your right, there was an opening that went into the little dining room. Yes. Um, yeah. But when, I mean, when kind of we were at school, we didn't call it DS. It was it was food tech. Mm. Um, but yeah, we used to use that room. And I think, again, I remember it kind of being slightly refurbished and kind of modernized a little bit. And it wasn't long after I'd started school because I remember us all kind of going up just to have a look and sort of thinking, mm, this is a bit weird. I've never been here before. Um so I don't well, it must have been around sort of ninety six, ninety seven ish. Um I don't think they did much. I think they just kind of put some new tiles on the walls and painted it and, and what have you. But yeah, I used to um I used to love food tech actually. I used to really like doing kind of cooking and being a bit creative and so I used to always I don't know why really, but I always used to seem to have the, the kitchen that was kind of furthest away on the right hand side. I'm not sure why, but <laughs> yeah, I did. So, uh, yeah, because yeah. for anybody who doesn't know, who anybody who was at school before that was before the DS room opened, there were four kitchens. Um, yeah. As you went as you went up the stairs and you went through the door, there were sort of two straight in front. Two well, on each side. Yeah, two on each side. And a, and a sort of pathway uh-huh. through the middle, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, there was. Yeah. 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 And you used to, we used to work two to a kitchen. 
um, yeah. that was the yeah. most that, yeah. So. Yeah. And it hasn't, I mean, I, was, I know I've been up there in the last yeah. couple of years and it hasn't changed at all, really. You know, like I said, maybe I don't no. look at paint, but it's it's still the same DS room as it, it was is. when we yeah. were there. It is, and that little dining room that Dan uh, that yeah. Danielle mentioned was was where we did theory. You said Michael, didn't you? We used to sit and have to write about oh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just add add add, add to the uh, that where you're talking about the DS room, uh, the, the the lower series room, that wasn't built until the same time as the gym, around about 1962, 63. So you had the the, the senior. The, the the main dormitory, which is the library now, mm-hmm. and then you had the, the the bathroom and whatever, and then it stopped. And ah right, that was the end of the king's wing. And then, when they were building the gym, they built the science bit, what they call the science and craft block. Yeah. Mm. And then, because okay, you had the science room and the arts craft room. That's what they were then when I was there. Then then above that was what 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 is now the DS room. Right. Yeah, I knew it was. I knew it was kind of built later than sort of the rest of the school, but I didn't know when. <laughs> yeah, because you can tell it's quite new, can't you? That yeah. part of the building. Yeah. yeah. Am I right? Was that when you went down the stairs from the DS room? There were two. Were there two or three flights of stairs? There was two. Three. Three, 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 wasn't it? Three, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a small one in front of you, and then you turn there's right. There's a small one, then two. And then you turn. Yeah. 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 Am I right? Was there a... Or have I got the wrong staircase? Was that where you went? Was there a little room or cupboard all there where you used to go when you were on the geography field trip, and that was where they kitted you out with your boots and your rucksacks and all of that? Or was that a different place? I think you... Um, I seem to remember sitting on a flight of stairs and Mr Byron giving us out our walking boots and all of that stuff for the Malham field trip that we used to do. But I don't know if it was that flight of stairs or another one. There we are, guys. You let us know. Because I seem yeah. to think there might have been. Because um, that was obviously the area you used to go with your boyfriend or girlfriend as well, wasn't it? It was. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know. at one point, you know, it's completely in an, in another area, but it's it's sort of, well, near, um, near the Caulfield end of school for kind of want of a better word, the mm. steps that go up to Bridgman at that end, kind of opposite there, um, there's a cloakroom. And I know when I was in the primary that there used to always be like wellies and boots and things kept in there. Now, whether they'd moved from kind of when you were there or whether that was the same place, I don't know. I but, think oh. it was around where, where you say, though, Joe. Seem to remember, I, I don't Ian, think it was because I don't remember spending much time at the, at the Caulfield or anywhere because I don't remember that no. bit of school at all because I was only in the seniors. So, but but somebody put me out my misery, please. <laughs> well, I, I'm just having a quick look. Um, I don't think we're going to get down King's Wing actually. I think we're going to have to end the <laughs> lesson there. Um, just at the bottom of them stairs where you're with your favourite boyfriend or girlfriend. So I think it's time to put our books away and uh, class dismissed and on you go to your next class. No homework, miss. <laughs> <laughs> you always get one trouble calls in class, don't you? Yeah, no
right, well, I think that's about it for episode 29 of the SVLPA podcast. It's been great having you along. Uh, we've still got Danielle and Joe with us as well. Okay, so thanks to everybody who took part in the podcast this time. Um, it's been brilliant, as always, to talk to new people and um, meet up with old friends, really. It sounds like George Ferguson. We really appreciate you coming on. It was good to talk to you again after so many years. It was, and uh, and Joe Senior with his memories from oh way back when, really long time before we were at school. And it's great because we've not spoken to many people who've who've been at school in that time. So it was really good. And that reminds me actually, because obviously there's different ways of getting hold of the podcast and getting in touch. And Joe actually came across us through the VI Talk on the Sinata player through British Wireless for the Blind Fund, and and through just talking about different things in SVOPA, he found our podcast. So just to let you know, if you are listening in other ways, you can get this podcast on Sinatra as well. Yeah, we do like to cater for anybody who's not necessarily into technology or doesn't have a computer. You know, you don't have to be techie to get the podcasts. Yeah, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) So how can people get in touch? Okay, so you can email us, podcast at svopa.co.uk. You can get us on Facebook, just search SVOPA. You'll find our group and our page. You can also follow us on Twitter at SVOPA. Or you can get in touch with me direct and I'll give you my phone number, which is 0161 287 1841 or my mobile, which is 07930 444656. And just a final word, we, we are hoping to have, we've been having Skype chats for VI Talk, but we are hoping to have a Skype chat fairly soon for SVOPA. So um, if you want to be involved with that or you have any ideas for that, please get in touch. OK, well, I think that's about it from us. Yeah, so all it remains is for the three of us to say thanks for listening. And uh, we'll, well, Michael and I will definitely see you next time. And I'm sure Danielle will be around very soon as well. I'm sure I will. Yep. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.